0: Hey Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month you will receive a new paranormal soft style tee and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tee. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. All right. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to the Count St. Germain After Hours episode. I'm joined as always by a vampire who cannot be trusted because he always has arterial motives. Ryan, what's up?
1: I like that. I like that very much. Thanks. I will use that and I admit to nothing.
0: (laughs) I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing okay. I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July. I hope you guys got... I hope you kept all your fingers. Yeah, I was going to say, I told my daughter, I'm like, you know, if something bad happens and you blow your thumb off, don't feel too bad. I'll donate my pinky toe for you. (laughs) She was careful. So that's a, you know, kind of a good way to... Just tell them. Be careful or you could end up with my pinky toe as a thumb. I've seen it. It's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Uh, I guess you just need to tell them what they need to know.
1: Yes. We hope you've been enjoying all of the uh, paranormal, conspiratorial, and just strange things that we've been sharing with you. And we have a mission for our listeners, for our cryptic crew for our crypt keepers it's cryptic awareness yes (laughs) if you if you've been enjoying this please Tell us how much you love it by liking it, subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether it's a thumbs up, heart, five-star review, or sharing it. Everything counts. Everything helps. It's the best way for us to spread. It lets the podcast platforms know that it's a good podcast and more people should hear it. To steal a line from Paul Hibbert on YouTube. But if you have a mysterious tale that you want us to cover or some conspiracy, you can reach out directly to us in our crypt by mm-hmm. sending an email to crypticpodcast at gmail.com. And. If you're looking for more ways to connect, you can always find us on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast or YouTube at cryptique podcast. And if you are a bit of a paranormal fashionista, you can check out Parabox, which is as always in the show notes. They have a lot of fantastic t-shirts. We always talk about it, but it really is true. They have the kind of shirts I like to find on like Etsy. I don't know if you've ever searched mm-hmm. for clothes on Etsy, but you come up with like really interesting and unique things and that's kind of the vibe I get from it.
0: It's not one of a kind, but it's it's a very limited edition and once you get that t-shirt in the mail, it does not go back out on another flyer. You might be able to get it later by itself, but the t-shirts are all very limited so limited quantities i should say
1: yeah and really just really cool designs
0: absolutely yeah
1: i just i don't know i'm just i'm always kind of fascinated by what they do Because I don't have the creativity to do something like that. (laughs) And if you want to check out what we've
0: got, you can check out crypticpodcaststore.com. I want to throw some stuff out real quick, uh, because this isn't going to be too long of an episode. I'm going to throw out some things we have on our list, and I want you to respond and tell us what you want to hear next. So... We and this is in no particular order at all, but we have on the list the Katrina Cannibal the Mark Kilroy Murder in Matamoros, Mexico the Skull and Bones Club the Gaddafi assassination Philadelphia experiment Raven's Crag, skin thief patients worth uh, What else do we have here gin kappa doppelgangers? Lazarus Syndrome, the Alaska Triangle, Operation, Operation Sunshine and Cropsy, the Brooklyn Bridge Alien Abduction, Dead Internet Theory, Pinky Pinky, Anti-Occult Police, Toxic Lady. There's so many more, but there's also Doddleston. So if you want to hear about Doddleston, uh, shoot us an email and I'll forward it to Ryan's personal address. But I appreciate the pressure. A <laughs> little backhanded uh, announcement there for you. But yeah, just let us know which ones you want to hear. And, and if there's any that you just don't, shoot us that email too. Because I don't want to put something out you guys don't want to listen to. That'd be pointless for everybody, right? Right. All right. right. Well, we brought you the story of the immortal alchemist, Count St. Germain in... Wednesday's episode. If you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen. That's going to give you some background on the gentleman we're talking about tonight. Who and what, or what, are we talking about tonight?
1: We are talking once again about Count Saint-Germain. All right. Legend of Jacques Saint-Germain as a vampire flourished as people noted his resemblance to the 18th century nobleman the Count St. Germain, and drew parallels between their mysterious tales with the Count's existence being documented by prominent figures of the time, leaving a legacy of fascination, speculation and debate that blurs the line between fact and fiction.
0: Sounds like an enigma. Inic-
1: <laughs>
0: it does sound
1: Drink. somewhat enigmatic. If vampires were to exist in our modern age, one can easily envision them thriving in the atmospheric city of New Orleans, emerging stealthily from the crypts of the St. Louis Cemetery, or lurking in the dimly lit alleys of the enchanting French Quarter. In this mystical and historical city where beauty intertwines with darkness, the echoes of the past often resurface in the present. As a melting pot of cultures and traditions, New Orleans became a magnet for diverse immigrants, who brought along ancient legends and superstitions, including those surrounding immortal creatures. These mythical beings adapted their new found these mythical beings adapted to their newfound home, weaving themselves into the fabric of the city's rich folklore. Among the enduring vampiric legends that have taken root in New Orleans, one stands out, originating from the depths of old European folklore. According to the captivating tale, sometime during the early 1900s, a mysterious man made his way to New Orleans, assuming the name Jacques Saint-Germain. His arrival in the city sparked curiosity and intrigue, as his aura carried an enigmatic air. Do we drink on that?
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Rumors began to circulate about Jacques, fueling the belief that he was more than just a mere mortal. Whispers of his eternal existence, his insatiable thirst for blood, and his ability to mesmerize unsuspecting victims swirled through the streets of New Orleans. Tales of encounters with him in the darkest corners of the city painted a vivid picture of a seductive and dangerous entity, preying upon the living to sustain his immortal existence. As the legend grew, so did the mystery surrounding Jacques Saint-Germain. Some claimed he was a centuries-old vampire, while others speculated he had discovered the elixir of eternal life. The intrigue and fear that surrounded him only deepened as tales of his encounters and alleged supernatural abilities continued to be passed down from generation to generation. Over time, Jacques Saint-Germain transcended from being a mere mortal man to an iconic figure in New Orleans folklore. Today, locals and visitors alike are drawn to the St. Louis Cemetery, searching for the tomb that supposedly houses the remains of this mysterious being. Whether Jacques Saint-Germain was a true vampire or a masterful illusionist who used theatrics to perpetuate his legend, his story has become an integral part of New Orleans' cultural tapestry. It serves as a testament to the city's embrace of the supernatural and its fascination with the interplay between light and darkness, beauty and danger. In the bewitching streets of New Orleans where the past and present merge seamlessly, the legend of Jacques Saint-Germain continues to remind us that within the shadows there may be more than meets the eye.
0: Boom. So in the vibrant city of New Orleans, this young man, Jacques Saint Germain, took up residence at 1039 Royal Street. And this is a mansion. This is basically you're looking at a three-story building, and it's on the corner, so it's it's got a lot of you know street front, I guess, real estate. But it's a it's a mansion. So when he moved in, it wasn't like, oh, he got a decent house. He got a mansion in the middle of, you know, a rich part of the city. So he was often spotted strolling through the atmospheric streets of the French Quarter with a stunning companion adorning his arm. It was the hosting of elaborate dinner parties where St. Germain truly shined. His parties were the talk of the town, eagerly awaited by the creme de la creme of New Orleans society. The allure of these gatherings lay not only in the sumptuous cuisine and the finest selection of wines, but in the captivating presence of their host. Saint Germain possessed a remarkable gift for conversation, much like Ryan, enchanting his guests with tales that span France, Italy, and the untamed wilderness of Africa and even the mystical wonders of ancient Egypt. Guests were captivated by St. Germain's eloquent grasp of the English language. And if we jump back to Count St. Germain, the original one, they were there was kind of, I guess, mixed reviews on his English. Some people said he spoke 13 languages fluently, and then some people were like, yeah, he could do some English, a little bit. So... This guy obviously has it under control by the 1900s. His storytelling transported them to distant lands, immersing them in foreign cultures and bygone eras. Yet, amid the enjoyment, a sense of curiosity lingered. How could Saint Germain recount events from centuries past with such intricate detail as if he had been an active participant in the unfolding history? It intrigued and puzzled the guests, leading to debate and speculation, but ultimately adding to the enigma that surrounded the host. Soon after settling in New Orleans, St. Germain made a bold claim. He declared himself a direct descendant of the esteemed Count St. Germain, a close confidant and servant to King Louis XV during the 18th century. Doubt naturally accompanied this proclamation as the Count's story was steeped in legend and myth. However, as guests observed Saint Germain's uncanny resemblance to the Count, with portraits never depicting him as aging beyond 40 years, whispers began to circulate. Could Jacques Saint Germain truly be the celebrated Count, perpetually preserved in a state of ageless immortality? Find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
1: (laughs) I really like your uh, tone for some reason. It's a happy tone. Speculation fuel yeah speculation fueled the fascination surrounding saint germain he neither confirmed nor denied the rumors allowing the mystery to weave its spell over the imaginations of those who encountered him during his lavish dinner parties while guests reveled in the decadent feasts laid before them saint germain stood apart from the table indulging in the ambiance rather than the culinary delights which you know is a running theme here Clutching a magnificent chalice believed to hold the finest wine, he remained a figure apart, observing the festivities with a mysterious smile. It was during these occasions that he would regale his guests with enchanting tales, transporting them through time and space, painting vivid pictures of his adventures and encounters with historical figures long past. He embodied a duality of elegance and mystery, captivating all who crossed his path. Jacques Saint-Germain's eloquent command of the English language never failed to impress and amuse his visitors. However, as he delved into tales of events that occurred centuries ago, recounting them with remarkable accuracy and a sense of personal involvement, a sense of bewilderment settled among his listeners. How could he speak of historical happenings with such intricate detail as if he had experienced them firsthand? While some guests found themselves puzzled by Saint Germain's ability to recall ancient events, the prevailing sentiment was one of amusement rather than skepticism. The tales served as a delightful escape from reality, transporting the listeners to bygone eras and distant lands, allowing them to revel in the richness of imagination and the allure of mystery. Similar
0: to cryptique. Indeed.
1: Are we (laughs) captivating and delightful? Count Saint cryptique. That's what (laughs) I'm going to become. Yeah, we should get an, an AI mascot. That'll be what it is. Shortly after his arrival in the vibrant city of New Orleans, St. Germain made a bold proclamation regarding his lineage. He asserted that he was a direct descendant of the renowned Count de St. Germain. Naturally, his claim to be a direct descendant sparked skepticism among the discerning socialites who encountered him. However, their doubts were momentarily silenced when they beheld the striking resemblance between Jacques and the enigmatic Count. Observant guests with eagle-eyed scrutiny noted a curious detail that heightened the intrigue surrounding Saint-Germain. Portraits of the Count, meticulously preserved throughout history, never depicted him as aging beyond the age of 40. Coincidentally, Jacques Saint-Germain appeared to be frozen in time as well, maintaining a youthful countenance since his arrival in the streets of New Orleans. This observation gave rise to rumors spreading through the social circles in jest. Whispers began to circulate, suggesting that Jacques might, in fact, be the celebrated Count, bestowed with immortality and eternal youth through some perplexing means. Jacques Saint-Germain reveled in the speculation and ambiguity surrounding his true identity. The notion of an immortal being gracing the Society of New Orleans added an extra layer of fascination to his already captivating persona. As the stories of Jacques Saint-Germain's exploits and and his potential immortal nature circulated, the legends grew fact and fiction blurred as the city embraced the romantic notion of an ageless being traversing the shadowed alleys of New Orleans. It's like the inky shadows. That's, That's one of right. my favorite phrases.
0: Mmm. Inky shadows. Jacques St. Germain embraced the intrigue that swirled in the air and deliberately refrained from confirming or denying the speculation surrounding his true nature. And we understand that we are kind of wavering back and forth on that and I think that the speculations are that he is Count St. Germain and he confirmed that he is a descendant of St. Germain because that's the only thing that makes sense because it keeps jumping back and forth. Well he said he said he was related to Count St. Germain well he never said anything one way or the other so I mean that's how I'm taking it is that the rumors were that he was the count and he confirmed that he was related to the count. So while Saint Germain's extravagant parties garnered widespread acclaim, there was one peculiar aspect that piqued curiosity among the attendees. Despite the lavish feast, Saint Germain did not eat. He stood aside from everybody and let them eat and watch them eat and drink, but he did not partake in his own. Whispers and jokes spread, suggesting that he might be a creature of the night, a vampire who sustained himself on more ethereal nourishment. The combination of his inexplicable aversion to partaking in meals at his own extravagant gatherings and his uncanny resemblance to the fabled Count Saint-Germain provided fertile ground for these light-hearted suggestions, so they were joking about it in the beginning. In truth, whether he truly possessed vampiric qualities or not remained a tantalizing mystery. Whether he was a creature of darkness or simply a master showman, one thing was certain. His presence breathed life into the vibrant folklore of New Orleans forever intertwining his name with the enduring mystique of the Crescent City. We'll talk about a sinister turn of events after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
1: The atmosphere in New Orleans took a chilling turn as rumors surrounding Jacques Saint-Germain took on a darker hue. Several months after his arrival, a disturbing incident unfolded that sent shockwaves through the city and added a sinister twist to the enigmatic man's reputation. The tranquility of Saint-Germain's residence at 1039 Royal Street was shattered when the police received a distressing call. Responding swiftly, they arrived at the scene to investigate the circumstances surrounding a woman who had apparently fallen from the gallery of St. Germain's home, situated on the upper floor. Initial assumptions of an accidental fall were quickly dispelled as the truth emerged. It became clear that the woman, rumored to be a prostitute, had deliberately leaped from the balcony rather than suffering a mere misstep. Despite surviving the fall, she was in a state of sheer terror. Her cries filling the air as concerned bystanders rushed to her aid. Surrounded by a compassionate crowd, the traumatized woman recounted her harrowing experience, her words laden with fear. In a frenzy, she claimed that she had jumped in a desperate attempt to escape the clutches of Jacques Saint-Germain, whom she accused of biting her neck. Her screams and sobs reverberated through the street, painting a horrifying picture of her encounter with a man she believed to be her assailant. According to her chilling account, she had managed to break free from St. Germain's grasp when he was momentarily distracted by a loud knocking at his door. She took the daring leap, desperate to put distance between herself and the attacker who had instilled such terror within her. As news of the incident spread throughout the city, shock and disbelief permeated the minds of the residents. The whispers and jests that once surrounded St. Germain took on a newfound gravity. The notion of him being a vampire and a mortal creature with a thirst for blood no longer seemed entirely far-fetched. The investigation into the incident would unveil its own set of mysteries and secrets and cast an even darker shadow over St. Germain's persona. The streets of New Orleans buzzed with apprehension and curiosity as the city grappled with the haunting question. Was there more to Jacques St. Germain than met the eye, and was there a truth to the woman's claims? The aftermath of the incident sent shockwaves through the city of New Orleans, leaving its residents bewildered and perplexed. The police, suspecting that the woman's claims may have been the result of delusion, opted to postpone their questioning of Jacques Saint-Germain until the following morning, and it
0: was a decision they would come to regret. He lived there for 10 years, so this is not something that just spun out, you know, in a couple months or something like that he lived there for quite a long time up until the point actually when he was asked to come into the police station hmm Mm. he's like I'm Audi 5000G he came (laughs) up with that phrase way back then because you know he's so enigmatic as dawn broke and the appointed hour arrived Saint Germain was nowhere to be found that sounds like a innocent instinct right like uh mm-hmm. the cops want to ask you about someone that jumped off your balcony you're like peace out <laughs> just gone uh, and we'll find out why in just a minute here but we're not taking a break but anyway he had vanished without a trace leaving behind a sense of bewilderment and betrayal the renowned and respected figure had seemingly dissolved into thin air, leaving behind a trail of unanswered questions. With a mixture of caution and anticipation, the police ventured into the mysterious man's home, unsure of what they might uncover, knowing only that it will be enigmatic. It was on the second floor that they made a chilling discovery, a collection of open wine bottles, each one sealed with a cork. But that would make sense, right? I mean, if you're a noble person, you would think you would... I don't know. Maybe they have to finish their wine bottles. Like, they don't keep them. Don't normal people, like, have a couple glasses of wine and put a cork in it and save it for later? I would think so. Yeah, I don't think it's that odd myself. But, to their horror, a closer examination revealed that these bottles contain not only wine, but also a horrifying mixture of human blood. The revelation sent shockwaves through the investigating officers, reinforcing the unsettling rumors that had circulated about Saint Germain. The realization that their esteemed and affluent acquaintance may have harbored dark secrets, fueling speculations of vampiric tendencies, added a sinister layer to the mystery surrounding his disappearance. Despite extensive efforts to track him down, Jacques Saint-Germain remained elusive, slipping away from the grasp of those who sought answers. The city was left to grapple with the sudden absence of this mysterious figure, and his contemporaries were left to confront feelings of both betrayal and disillusionment. The abrupt end to the tale left a void in the fabric of New Orleans, marking the conclusion of a chapter that had held its residents enthralled. Whether he was a mere illusion or a manifestation of something far more sinister, his disappearance remained a haunting mystery. So, one thing that I wanted to just throw out there if you had attended these parties, A, why are there prostitutes there? Like, I mean, I know why, obviously, but it just (laughs) seems like it's a running theme in, you know, these fancy rich person upper class parties that there's prostitutes there too but not only that but if you're one of his buddies and you drank his wine wouldn't you be thinking like oh my god I hope I didn't like drink human blood that would be horrifying yeah did I accidentally get a blood bottle right I I mean would that make you a cannibal or do you have to actually like consume flesh I think you'd have to consume flesh Hmm that's disappointing.
1: I mean, I see a lot of people cut their finger and put it in their mouth, so
0: yeah, but is it cannibalism if you eat yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows. These these questions we raise, they're so enigmatic. <laughs> so <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> All right. So, Jacques Saint-Germain or Count de Saint-Germain.
1: Indeed, the disappearance of Jacques Saint-Germain and the eerie but perhaps also enigmatic circumstances surrounding it only served to fuel the legend of his vampiric nature. So was he Count St. Germain? The similarities between the two were striking, not just in terms of their physical resemblance, but also in the stories that surrounded them. The tales of both St. Germains wove a narrative of mystery, leaving many to wonder if the Count St. Germain had somehow made his way to 20th century America. While Count St. Germain has left behind a wealth of written material and accounts, much of it shrouded in mystery and speculation, the parallels between the two figures were uncanny. The extensive writings about him, filled with tales of his immortality, alchemical pursuits, and interactions with prominent figures of his time, could lead one to question whether he was a fictional creation rather than a historical one. However, the fact that numerous leaders and influential personalities of the era made mention of his existence lends credence to his presence in history. Jacques Saint-Germain embodied the traits and mysteries of Count Saint-Germain, only adding to the allure and intrigue surrounding the vampire legend. It became a subject of fascination and debate, with enthusiasts delving into the depths of historical records and writings, attempting to separate fact from fiction and uncover the truth behind the immortal nobleman. In the end, the legend of Jacques Saint-Germain and the enigmatic Count Saint-Germain continue to captivate those who are drawn to tales of the supernatural and the unexplained. Their intertwined stories leave a lingering sense of mystery and wonder, reminding us of the enduring power of legends and the allure of the unknown. Boom. That's uh,
0: Count Anne Jacques wrapped up in one enigmatic tapestry in the Crescent City. So, so I think that if he, if Jacques St. Germain was not a relative, a descendant, whatever, of Count St. Germain and was the actual Count St. Germain, then we have to look back at everything that we talked about in, in the, you know, in the other episode and say, okay, well, he said he had this magic powder that made people like basically freeze in time or, or look younger. Well, was he doing that or was he drinking blood? Yeah. And that he may have found the fountain of youth somewhere and would go back and kind of recharge the batteries. Or was he drinking blood? Because I know that this is one big mystery, right? And and it's impossible to like apply science to figuring out if Count Saint Germain existed or if he was a vampire or whatever. But I would think that. If, in fact, Jacques Saint-Germain was the Count Saint-Germain, then you have to think that he had been drinking blood the whole time. Do you you see what I'm saying? Like, it's unlikely that he would have, you know, know where the Fountain of Youth is and be like, you know what, Uh, I'm going to become a vampire instead. You know what I mean? I don't know, a little bit different, but it could be just nobody
1: caught him drinking blood before or blood was part of his elixir.
0: I don't know. I think for sure if Jacques Saint-Germain is a vampire, then if he was Count Saint-Germain, he's been a vampire this whole damn time. I think it's more likely that Jacques Saint-Germain kind of adopted that persona and just happened to be, you know, a good storyteller. Uh, They all said he was good looking and good looks will get you a long way in life. At least that's what people tell me. You're just more likely to believe and trust somebody that you find to be at least, not necessarily attractive, but attractive in general. If that makes
1: yeah, sense. we tend to attribute positive characteristics to people who look good, mm-hmm. which is not exactly fair
0: or a good idea. It's not a good idea at all. All beautiful people are horrible. No, I'm just kidding. But So where do you stand? <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that he was a descendant? an imposter where do you stand
1: i don't know what i believe for sure he was i know that i i jack but yeah i buy that it could have been him and new orleans does have kind of a lot of vampire legends so it could be sort of mistaken identity you Mm -hmm. know people might have vampires on the brain and then Mm -hmm. they encounter a guy who's like legit immortal It has all these bizarre stories, and they start thinking about it, and then they start looking for signs of it. Places, Mm -hmm. I mean, biting somebody's neck or kissing somebody's neck. Like if you're, if you're, I'm not saying that I don't believe what the woman said who jumped off the balcony because you wouldn't jump off the balcony without a good reason, right? But if you're already thinking like this guy could be a vampire, like people keep saying this guy could be a vampire, and then he comes at you and he's got his mouth on your neck, yeah, you might. You know, freak out and think that you're about to be killed. That's very. But crazy. I do, I do really like the Count Saint Germain stories, mm-hmm. and I I buy that there's something to it for sure. And I I really do feel like there probably are people or entities or whatever you want to refer to them as that kind of, you know, move around through time. Yeah. Whether they're living that whole time or they're just kind of like popping in and out. I don't know. I'm just really convinced by the Saint-Germain thing. I'm I'm also like 99%, yeah, maybe 95% like va- vampires are BS. Mm-hmm. But I've heard these stories. I was actually trying to find it while you were talking, and I haven't been able to. But I know that there was a like a vampire hotline in, I want to say, 72-ish, mm-hmm. um, where they would get like a lot of – they had a lot of crank calls where people would call in and say, "Yeah, I saw a vampire. I saw this or I saw that." And they would they would eventually make a joke out of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. "Where where are you? What state are you in?" And they're like, "I'm in a state of shock," and then they hang up or whatever, stupid like that. <laughs> and I remember there was one where it was this woman who would call in and she would just talk to them and she would kind of tell them things and tell them like, you know, this is how you know I invest in real estate. And I have rental properties and things like that, and and buildings and whatever. And that's how I produce income because I can't really go out during the day and work, you know. And this is how I this is how I, you know, I find like runaway kids or I find this or that, and like that's where I get blood and just these weird conversations. But she would never like give any details as to where she was. She would call from like I think payphones or something. Mm -hmm. and she would she even told you know the people answering the phone that she just got like a weird thrill out of talking to them you know but she claimed to be like a certain age and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and just was like yeah i don't know why i just like telling you guys about this (laughs) and then eventually just stopped calling but yeah it was like the rest of them wanted attention you know they're like yes i'm a vampire like go ahead and Mm -hmm. come out and study me and whatever else but This one who was, like, pretty convincing and seemed like a reasonable person. Never wanted to, never wanted attention, never revealed their real name or wanted anybody to come to them or anything like that. They just wanted to watch the world burn. They just wanted to, like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like in, uh, Dexter. There's an episode of Dexter where he's after this psychologist or therapist, whatever it is, who's, like, preying on their patients. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes into a session, and he just tells them. He's like, I'm a serial killer. And then he's like, oh, my God, that feels so good to say out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows he's going to kill them, and there's nothing that, you know, like he can tell this person. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like that for this vampire, I guess. Like, you don't know who I am. This is a random hotline.
0: But, yeah, that being said, I, I buy the story. So this, for me, has a couple holes in it. Uh, for one, there was never any mention in any article I could find or anything about him not being out in the daytime. And I know that that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a vampire. That could be, you know, just a fable, too, that that vampires can't go yeah. out in the sun or whatever. Yeah, kind of depends on which version of the vampire myth you yeah. look at. Yeah, he's either sparkling or, you know, turns to ash but anyway so there's no mention of that and i think that would go a long way to i guess provide evidence that maybe he thought he was a vampire or whatever number 2 is i don't know how they tested the wine to find that there was blood in there i mean it could he could have just stolen from catholic churches and it could be jesus's blood you never know yeah and third that kind of, I don't know, I guess pushes me in the other direction is that prostitutes are definitely the most preyed upon section of humanity in history, right? So it does kind of make sense that, you know, he would have all these noblemen around and stuff like that, and then, but still had prostitutes. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Because nobody's yeah. going to miss, uh, you know, whoever this this woman was who wasn't identified. So, I don't know. I don't... I believe that there's people that believe they're vampires, right? Like, they they actually believe that. I don't think it's a very high percentage of people, thankfully, I guess. But... And then I believe in psychic vampires. And not that they're necessarily people that are like, ha ha ha, I'm a psychic vampire, I'm gonna come steal your energy but there's definitely people that when they walk into the room you're just like, oh god no, and it just sucks the energy out of the room and there's so much negativity, you know what I mean? I do, yeah,
1: people are like a charisma black hole (laughs) yeah, the opposite of charisma
0: like I said, I, I believe that I believe in Count St. Germain. I don't believe that this guy had anything to do with him. I think that he had kind of a shtick. You know, he came in, he was only there for 10 years. So it's not like... Although people seem to age really fast back then. Like if you mm-hmm. watch old baseball games of like the 1960s, sixties, will be like 27-year-old Don Sutton made an appearance in the game. And you're like, that guy looks like he's 50. Yeah. But...
1: Yeah, I've even read articles recently about, like, why is it that when you look, you see a guy who's, like, 24 and he looks like he's about 40, Mm -hmm. and they're talking about part of it's, like, the mental state, and part of it is, like, the way we dress, and then part of it is that we just don't live as hard as we used to. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, man, they look rough. But, you know, if, if you met me when I was 30 and then, you know, by the time I was 40, if you, you know, if you got a break from me for a couple years, come and see me when I'm 40, it wouldn't look that different. You know what I mean? It's not like you're, you know, unless I have a disfiguring accident or something, you're not going to be like, holy shit, dude, you look like you're a hundred years old. So 10 years is in my opinion especially when you're talking about someone in their thirties and up into their forties is not a long enough time to tell that they've aged a lot or haven't aged a lot or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you could fake youth for 10 years. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think this guy was a fraud, but I'm not saying he wasn't a vampire.
1: I, I found somebody who scanned pages of the book that have this interview. Oh, with Jacques Saint-Germain? No, no, with the one that I was talking about before, this like vampire hotline.
0: Oh. Do you want to finish your thought? Sorry. Um, Where was I going with it, Ryan? Just because I think this guy was a fraud as being Count Saint-Germain, or being related to Count Saint-Germain, doesn't mean that he wasn't a vampire. And... If you're a vampire, you know, you don't want to be like Bill Davis, the vampire that goes through your trash before he throws it in the landfill. You want to be, oh, Count Jacques Saint-Germain, the wealthy vampire that comes in and throws parties. Who's the next uh, Count Saint-Germain? It's Tom Cruise, right? And he was already in this movie. (laughs) Totally, totally. Oh, my God. But anyway, that's that's basically all I had to say. What's this woman say?
1: All right, so this is from a book by Stephen Kaplan called Vampires R, which is apparently ridiculously hard to find, and I just looked it up on uh, Amazon, and it's about $1,000 for a copy. Wow. And the other site that I use for used books is Thrift Books, and they have an entry for it. But it says there are 16 people looking for it and that they receive less than one copy every six months. Ouch. Uh, but anyway, yeah, somebody scanned some of the pages. It's a long entry, but I'll read a little bit of it. and You can decide how much of it you want to include. Okay. But the, it is Chapter 5, 439-year-old Elizabeth, Our Biggest Puzzle. In the spring of 1979 at 11.30 p.m. on May 13th, the phone rang at the center. I was tired and promised myself that this would be the last call I would take for the night. Sure enough, I was sorry I had picked up the phone. Another prank call. It was a woman who said she was a vampire. She said she had seen me on television and decided to call me, and guess how old she said she was. Over 400. I mentally gave her a rating of 3 on a scale of 10 for a rotten story and was about to hang up. But as long as I had gone that far, I figured I might as well just ask her the standard questions just for the record. In the next five minutes I was suddenly wide awake and I was sure that whoever was on the phone was worth an interview. We parried questions and answers in a rapid staccato-like exchange and her responses came easily with no hesitation. She was articulate and rational and dead serious. She said her name was Elizabeth, that she had been a vampire since she was about 17 or 18 years old and she had been born in England somewhere around 1540. She said she was currently living in Florida and had lived there for 17 years. Before that, she lived in Indiana for quite a while. So Kaplan asks, I'll just say Kaplan and Elizabeth, and then what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Kaplan, Elizabeth, why did you call me? Elizabeth, well, I haven't talked about myself to anyone for a long, long time, and I've been sort of depressed lately. And when I saw you on that TV show, I have a videotape set up so I can see the earlier shows when I wake up, and I thought, well, there's something about you. Anyway, I just thought I might like to talk to you. Kaplan. All right, tell me about yourself. Where did you go to school? Elizabeth. I've never had a formal education, but I do a lot of reading. I'm finally figuring out my physiological makeup. Kaplan. What do you mean? Elizabeth. Well, I must have a liquid diet, a special one. Human blood is the only food my system can tolerate. Kaplan. What does your doctor say about this? Elizabeth. I don't go to a doctor. Since these are shorter responses, I'll just read the calls and responses, and when they get longer, I'll... I'll I just want to hear you do
0: your woman voice.
1: (laughs) How often do you drink human blood? Every day. And how much do you drink each day? All (laughs) the time. And how much do you drink each day? I've never measured it, but I guess about eight or nine pints. Where (laughs) do you get this blood? I drain a human body. You drain a body every day? Yes. How do you extract the blood? I choose one of the six major arteries and cut it, usually with a straight razor. How do you... I mean, do you tranquilize your victims first? Give them something to subdue them? Definitely not. I don't want to pollute the blood with drugs. I'm also very careful to check for needle marks. I don't want to get a drug addict. But then how do you subdue your victims? I can't tell you that. Alright, you say you drain a body a day. Doesn't that mean you have to dispose of a body every day? Isn't that a bit difficult? How do you manage that? There are several methods. Can you tell me some? I'll tell you one. There was a man I drained, then I left him in his car. Took off the brake and pushed the car into a body of water. It's been two months now and the body has not been discovered yet. Will you give me another example? No. Do you choose victims of one particular sex or age? No, it doesn't matter. How do you feel while you're drinking blood? That's hard to describe. Let me see. My feet get cold and I can't hear anything. It's like... Like a dreamless sleep. Or like I guess yawning might describe it. At one point the feeling gets very intense. How long does this go on? Until there is no more need for blood. It takes about 25 or 30 minutes. When do you sleep? During the daylight hours. And this is upsetting sometimes. I hardly have time to take a shower and get to the stores before they close. What do you buy in the stores, Elizabeth? I've answered a lot of your questions up to now, but I'd like to ask you some things. Go right ahead. Did you ever meet a male vampire who said he had impregnated a human female? And that's Elizabeth asking that and Cap'n right. responding. Let's say I've had, Let's say I've met some who claim they are vampires and also claim to be fathers. Well, here's some information for your files. Nine out of ten male vampires are impotent. It's a matter of hormones, plus their body temperature is too cool to support healthy sperm cells. Another thing I'd like to ask you now, can you give me the names of any other vampires? Kaplan. And he's saying here that he made up a name off the top of his head. And Elizabeth responds, I've never heard of that one. Name some more. They really don't want me to give out their names. Do you know any other vampires yourself? Yes, but they're all neurotic. I guess I am too. But I don't like to be with them. Do you like to be with uh, normal men? Have you ever been married? No, I've never been married. I've had no interest in men except for intellectual company. But this goes on for a pretty long time. But yeah, the, you can see why he'd be interested in this. Somebody who's just factually answering these questions.
0: Yeah, it is It is odd. But there, there's definitely... I don't know. I mean, I think it's far more likely that it's a mental illness than it is a a real thing, that there's real physical vampires, but I'm not totally discounting it. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see how that would be an appealing, I guess, conversation... You know, based on she's not trying to be like, oh, and I can fly and I jump from tree to tree and I seduce whoever I want and, you know, stuff like that. It definitely sounds more credible. But have you ever heard of Susan Walsh? No relation to Adam or John Walsh from uh, America's Most Wanted. Uh, no, I don't think so. So. She was a reporter for the Village Voice in the 1980s, and there was a vampire subculture there. She, I guess, kind of went undercover and was like, oh, you know, I am want to be part of this scene, blah, 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 and was, you know, just basically... I guess undercover, not for the cops or anything, but for the newspaper trying to get all the, you know, dirty little secrets and stuff like that. And yeah, she, she went missing. So, I mean, it's, you know, maybe she met a vampire that was hungry or maybe they didn't like her poking around or I don't know. What's the third option? She decided to run away and never talk to anybody ever again.
1: Yeah, she got murdered by a human who's now drinking her blood out of a Snoop Dogg chalice somewhere.
0: Yep, thinking that they can fly if they can down it. Can you imagine? I mean, nine pints in a in a day of, of anything—that's a lot.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, I've actually been kind of paying attention to my water intake, and I might drink sixty-four or seventy-two ounces, but. Along with that, I'm also drinking, you know, coffee and tea and whatever else.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot, it's a lot of liquid. I mean, that would be like a crock I mean, for top. me, I.
1: Yeah, for me, I have like the ready reference of like a five, you know, pint uh, container of oil for an oil mm-hmm. chain.
0: Yeah, there so that's you,
1: you know almost two of
0: those. It's rough, man. All right. Well, do you have any other final thoughts? Not
1: really. Uh, I've got that that scan printing so I can read some more of that later. If
0: you were a vampire, what name would you take? Ryan's vampire name. Find out next week on Cryptique. <laughs> yeah, I'm going
1: to I'm going to need time to think about this. Like what, All right. what vampire name. Would I, no, hold on. I can do this. It needs to be like a pun, right?
0: Oh no, you can. I was thinking just like taking a cool name. Uh, Vlad Raptor. Vlad Raptor.
1: Uh, Calvin Eugene.
0: Shut up. Why? That's what I've got written down here. <laughs> count calvin eugene
1: because nobody would ever suspect that
0: it's the perfect name you'd be the low-key like the vampire that hides out like you'd be the clark kent of vampires
1: yeah instead of a cape i'd have like a sweater like tied around (laughs) my shoulders with like my white polo on
0: yeah yeah might work it worked in american psycho yeah all right how about you i don't know i'll tell you next week i just wanted to know if you had one i wanted to put you on the spot
1: yeah well, that's yeah i would go with a low-key name
0: All right, although the kid. other one i keep thinking about
1: there's an episode of rick and morty
0: mm-hmm.
1: where like it starts off at the end of an adventure and the kids are like wow who knew vampires were real
0: with, like, two holes in her neck and all the blood drained out of her. Good Lord, who does something like that?
1: Obviously a vampire. Where's the pepper? Wait,
0: what? Vampires are real?
1: Yes, Summer, vampires are real. Who knew? Oh, right, all humanity for hundreds
0: of years now. Yes, Summer, it's a big universe. Get used to it. All right. Count Kelvin Eugene. Eugene. Tell them what they need to know. As we said at the
1: beginning... If you like it, we'd really appreciate it if you would let us know by hitting like, subscribe, giving us a review, sharing us with friends and family, whatever you can do. We really appreciate it, and all of it counts. If you want to find some cool shirt, you can look at Parabox. The link will be in the show notes. You can find our stuff on Uh, com. although don't compare us with Parabox it might be a little bit unfavorable at the moment (laughs) and you can get a hold of us directly at crypticpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok at cryptique underscore podcast youtube at podcast with no underscore and I think that's it please be nice Please, and, and definitely we want to hear about uh, how poor our pronunciation is
0: and how enigmatic it can be. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, tune in next Tuesday for another enigmatic episode of Crypti. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.